everybody. Welcome back again to another episode of Around Our Community. In the studio today, of course, John Wagner's in here with me, and Wes Allday is our um, producer is in, and of course, I'm Jason Jones. And today, we're in our second part of the series with Mostellar Medical. Todd is back with us again from last week, and Monica Taylor, our nurse practitioner, is here today. Monica, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm excited to have you all here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. So, Monica, tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you, tell us who you are. Give, give us some some details on you. Um, well, I've been a nurse practitioner at Mosteller for 23 years. Wow. Yes, it, uh, it all started. I graduated from South in um, 92, went to work in labor and delivery. Okay. And um, South started a new program, the Women's Health Nurse Practitioner Program, and that was just the next step from work in labor and delivery and postpartum floor at the hospital. So went back to school and um, I knew Mosteller was down in in Viola Battery um, from that area. And I thought, that's where I want to work. And lucky for me, it worked out. So I think it was meant to be. So um, labor and, de- and delivery is where you, where you come out of school and that's where you work. Right. Um, but I grew up in South Mobile County, so I feel like I'm part of the Mosteller community. Right. Um, grew up in St. Elmo, went to grade school at St. Margaret's in Viola Battery, and then went to high school in Grand Bay. So I am South Mobile County through and through. I have a real good friend that's a nurse that lives in St. Elmo, Aretha Gates. Do you know her by chance? No, oh, I don't think I know her. I know a good anybody lives, my people that I know. <laughs> Well, I worked at, of course, I worked at South Alabama for years at Norwood Hospital, and we had a lot of people from the southern part of the county that came through right? and um, and worked with me as well. I mean, that's just a very common place. And I was at South when you were there, too, so we're not going to have any conversations on, at least live on the podcast about those times, but after we need to connect, because I'm sure we probably <laughs> crossed some of the same paths, or maybe we didn't. <laughs> okay. We might have. I, I finished community college in 92. So I finished actual the university at Corey University in uh, 95. So that's a little bit behind, but that's when I moved to Mobile was in 95. Yeah. Okay. So go to South, graduate there and started working at Mosteller right out of the gate. Um, right out of the nurse practitioner program. That was in, um, finished in 99 and started at Mosteller in 2000. Wow. That's fantastic. So it was a good fit. So have you been in the same role there the whole time or have you kind of transitioned and done different roles or what's what's been the experience uh, with your time there as it's, far as like positions? and? Right. It's been um, I'm the only women's health nurse practitioner there and we work in collaboration with USA OBGYN. That's who my collaborating physician is with. Mm-hmm. And we collaborate with children and women's. Um, so we do prenatal care for um, pregnant moms and we do family planning for um all women from age 13 to postmenopausal women, we work with them. So we have, we offer a lot. Um, I'm one of the people that, because uh, again, because Jason and I have an experience working with physicians and the health plans and, and patients and all that. Um, there's such a massive, Todd, I'm sure you're with us, massive shortage of primary care physicians in this country. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not getting any better. The number of med school grads going into primary care is, is has been dwindling for two decades. They're all going into subspecialty care. Um, and, you know, the, the, the glaring answer to fix it is to raise the level of the nurse practitioners. Right. And, you know, so, and the states just don't want to coordinate on that. Uh, so I'm hoping that at some point in time, I'm going to be the Medicare czar. And <laughs> when that happens, I'm going to fix it on day one. Um, but if you think about 
they call these carriers. They some of them contract nurse practitioners, some don't. Some states allow more uh, care to be provided, some don't. But if you could, if you could kind of raise the level across the board, and if a, a customer or a patient, uh, a member could select a nurse practitioner as their primary care physician, it it would open up a whole world of care and access. That's just it's it's sitting there to be had. So okay, uh, we were talking about earlier. You know, you've been there for a long time, um, and we've talked about how Mosteller uh, historically now and in the future. Last week with Todd is going to be impacting the community uh, from your position and in your role. What are some of the different programs that people in that in that community have access to that they might not know about? Are like two or three things that are like really top. Like you spend the most of your time on as far as different programs that impact the community. Right. Well, um, Alabama is pretty good at protecting and covering their children. But once um, you turn 19 years old, you usually fall off of Medicaid services. And I just want to be clear that, Mostella, we do accept all insurances, but we don't want um, money to be a deterrent to your care. We learned about the sliding fee schedule yeah. um, last yes. week. So we will see anyone that comes to the into the building. Um, but we have Medicaid ha- offers a family planning program that um, covers women from age 19 to 54. So that covers um, routine um, care, pap smears, um, STD testing, um, birth control. Um, and then for those women, and, and when they're pregnant, Medicaid covers usually. There's usually some way you can get on that coverage. Um but then there's women that fall in the gap. They might have had their tubes tied and they don't get insurance. Their family planning coverage is canceled. Um, but they still need their routine exams, yearly pap smears or yearly checkups. And um, we have a sliding scale fee, of course, but Alabama does offer, um, it's called the Alabama Breast and Cervical Cancer Screening Program. And that's a program from the CDC. Each state kind of does their own plan with their monies. But it covers for um, cervical cancer screening. But also when they're age 40, they're allowed to get start getting their mammogram screening. Okay. I, I was thinking that as you were saying that, because that's so important to be able to catch that early as opposed to allowing it to, to metastasize and come. Yeah. Right. And when they're there, we try to go over the other screenings that they may need right. and try to get them in touch with the internal medicine side. Um because, you know, most women and men, too, when they're 19 to probably 40 at least, they think they're healthy and they don't need any health care. Um, but unfortunately, when something like a pandemic happens, you don't have anyone to call on. And so I encourage everyone, make that connection with a primary care provider so when something does come up, you will have someone to call and ask for help, advice. You're Speaking of the pandemic, how did you manage and how did you navigate that through the pandemic time when we when it was very difficult? It was difficult all around everywhere. Right. At first, we were shut down like the whole state. Right. It was a new territory. We had no idea what was going on. And it was basically, um, it was emergency. It was almost like we didn't do any routine, but that only lasted that first six weeks. And then we were like, we have got to see our patients. We are in this. We signed up for healthcare. We take the precautions, but we are going to see our patients. Right. So 
probably the first six weeks were a little bit touch and go. It was, it was a challenge, especially for our expectant mothers who were coming in. We had right. some come in who were COVID positive at the time. We had to figure out logistics, how to, how to safely treat them while also safely protecting our staff and our other patients in the facility at, during those situations. Well, I imagine you also had a massive challenge of people getting vaccinated that were mothers. I mean, or you know, potential mothers. I mean, that's challenge. a huge thing. Um, even my daughter, because my my daughter got vaccinated, and and you know, she started questioning me. She said, "You know, can it can it hurt later on?" I said, "Well, you yeah, we really don't know. I mean, you, and, you know, the, the end of the day, we don't really know." Right. But and she that, did get an entire semester paid for it at Southern Miss because she won the vaccination um, of being vaccinated. So I mean, it's a little bit of a win for me. Awesome. <laughs> I was I was happy. <laughs> well, speaking of the uh, vaccination side of things, I know the you, you mentioned cervical cancer earlier. I know uh, HPV. Uh, vaccine that's been out for a while now. That's uh, that's supposed to pretty put a pretty big dent um, in in those cervical cancer rates. Has that been out long enough that you guys are able to? Are y'all seeing any effects of that at this point yet? We do, but the guidelines have also changed on the um, cervical cancer screening as well. Our pediatric department does an awesome job of getting the um, the young adolescents vaccinated. I think they may start as young as nine, definitely 11 when they come in for their other uh, immunizations. Um, but we do have um, programs, the drug, co- well, the vaccine, com- vaccine company Merck, I think it is, puts out the HPV, the Gardasil vaccine. And they have programs to help with those that are falling that gap where they're 19, they're no longer covered under insurance, and um, but they have patient assistance that they'll allow has to catch up on the vaccines. I do believe with those vaccines, if you start young, I think it's less of a series than if you start older. Correct. By 13, if you get two, then you're done. What is your normal caseload? Since you're the only one that's doing that really at Mosteller, I imagine your caseload is extremely high. Well, um, on one day a week, we have the OB provider coming from south, and we have a huge um, OB day. And then we have GYN because we also have the residents come out and they're um, there to um, provide services that our GYNs wouldn't necessarily have. USA is a teaching hospital, so um, their residents are there to learn. They work under an attending. And if anyone needs uh, surgery, then they will um, present the case and try to get funding and assistance for the patients to have different surgical procedures um, or surgeries, um, hysterectomies, or whatever else they might need. So I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different doctors and a lot of different specialties, and and obviously they all isolate the differently. But some are statistics driven, so like they'll know exactly how many knees they've done or how many heart transplants they've done. So from a baby's perspective, how many do you know? How many mothers you've been uh, blessed to help over the years? Three like, years. You have some that are. Yeah, you know, they're probably huge in there. number, right? Yeah, I really don't know. I know right now we have about two hundred fifty babies a year. Going per year, forward. yes. Um, and it's been more in years past, I believe. Right, right now we're about two hundred fifty a year. Two hundred fifty a year mm-hmm. times twenty years. Don't make me do the math. So what? Five thousand. Right. I did the math on that. Sounds right to five k. We're supposed to be the we'll finance guy, so he's hoping I got the number right on that. Right. <laughs> so, Monica, one of the things we love to ask everybody is is to think back through the time you've been there, and if you have any kind of story that that you're familiar with, that was just a really a great story to be able to tell. Of course, uh, you know, not having their names involved, but something that was just a really amazing. And I know over 23 years, you probably have a million stories that of people that you know you just know that that 
that the things that y'all did at Mosteller made a huge impact in their life? Well, um, one of the big things is we do have a cancer fund now that started maybe 10 years ago, maybe. Um, And it was actually started by um, a person in the community. Her mom had died young of a breast cancer. And so she wanted to keep our monies, our breast cancer fundraising within the community because we used to do the making strides Mm -hmm. uh, walk for American cancer. But we thought that was a good idea. And um, we raised money. And I think that first year it was 7,000 after everything was paid. So we do have funding, but we would try to come up with more funds if needed. But um, I've had patients that, you know, doing the exam, I'm like, I think it's a cancer. I mean, I will. I can't. I don't have a poker face, so <laughs> I'm honest. And I'm like, we're going to have to get you a mammogram, and they don't fall within that Alabama right. cervical cancer. Usually, you have to get that first mammogram or ultrasound or whatever, and then we can get you on the program and Medicaid kicks in. Um, but we fortunately have some funds that we've been able to send them with a check to get their mammogram and things like that mean a lot. I mean, we're there to serve the community and that's what those funds are for. So I think that's really special. And I have patients in my mind that are so thankful and grateful and just think we've, you know, helped save their lives, which, you know, we had a part in it, but um, thank goodness that we feel like we're here for those patients. They're our patients, they're our community, our family. Right. And we do a lot of fundraisers. We also have some local uh, support agencies, such as um, we recently received a, a very a very uh, substantial substantial check from Bras for a Cause, which is a, a agency in Mobile who who works real hard to support women in those areas. So, Bras for a Cause. Yes. Okay, I love the name. That's funny. Absolutely. Um, check them out on Facebook. Well, I'll have to. Uh, I'll reach out to them and see if they might like to be a guest here on and do an yes. episode with us as well. Yeah. So uh, just out of curiosity, what if you have a wish list uh, in, in that area down there of uh, things that you don't have right now, things that you would like to see coming, uh, what, what would that wish list look like? What's That's a great those, question. Those top three. Okay, oh, one, one of my things is patient transportation. Our patients have a huge transportation need in our community. Um, there's no public transportation in, in the rural parts of our county. And uh, that's always been a struggle, especially during COVID times and so forth. It was real difficult to get our patients in who needed to be in for for um, for supports and, and what they needed. What else do we want? No, we talked last time about a hospital. <laughs> you have to open a hospital. Absolutely. During that area. I still have been thinking about that and, and thinking what I had a conversation with someone this week. I don't know. It could have been a Walmart conversation for, you know. I, I talk to anybody everywhere, whether it's in the elevator or in the most awkward places is where I love to talk to people. And um, I was like that guy on the commercial Becoming Your Parents where he's facing the wrong way on the elevator. I do. I do. Every time. I just I enjoy that. And um, but I had someone I was talking about. It was it was someone and I can't remember who it was, but we were we were having a conversation. I was like, you know, where they really should put a hospital at is down in, in the bayou. And that's where we need you know, a concentration because of all of the rural area there. We have a phenomenal place to have one. Yeah, they, or at least the freestanding ER. Right. right. Like what they built Some over Some kind of access. Daphne. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful facility. All right, so we're going to uh, wrap up here today with Todd Monica with Mossdaughter Medical from down by the battery. We're going to appreciate you guys so much for coming and taking time to share share your insight and your, your the things that y'all are doing there to help the community. Thank you so much. Uh, Monica, is there anything else that you'd like uh, from a women's health perspective to share before we wrap things up? I just want to encourage the um, 
young adolescents, their moms, to get them vaccinated with the HPV vaccine. Um, start getting your pap smears at age 21 and every three years, but you still need a yearly GYN exam. And then um, 40, you start mammograms yearly. And then when we go through menopause, come in and talk to us if you're having a, um, issues with that transition in our life. And if you have any questions, call us at our main number at area code 251-824-2174, or you can visit us at our website at mostellarmedical.org. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, Todd. We appreciate the entire Mostello family for coming in and helping us out and uh, give us some more episodes here. I want to continue to do the series. I'd love to do one on the pharmacy as well. Uh, maybe some of the other programs that y'all have. So thank you so much, everybody. Wes, Jason, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.